Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cochilillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank uh, the contributors to my show, who are executive producer Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, senior editor Amanda Steele, author of Ghost of Me, binaural production engineer Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of his author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, just go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find a whole bunch of information there on how to contribute. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Victoria Pendragon. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, so you've written... Uh, a few, quite a few interesting, really, books here. Um, one of them being Sleep Magic and, um, and a bunch of others. And uh, I was reading your bio, and uh, it, it looks like you had quite a story or a very interesting life experience. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have. I've had, I I've had a number of people's lifetimes. It seems like crammed into mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think too many people can say that they've survived three fatal illnesses in one lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so what happened? Like like it's, it looks like your you know your, your path originally was, was was a lot of hardship, and then it led you to a more spiritual place. Yes. Um, and I think it, I think actually that more spiritual place probably started because of the hardship. Um, I, I don't, I hope, I, I hope I'm, you're comfortable with me speaking about some of the abuse that happened to me. Is well, that okay? That's fine. Okay. So when I was very young, um, early grade school, maybe like second grade or so, both my sister and I were um, trafficked by my mother's father. And this event or events took place in the woods um, n- near his home. And my body's response to everything that happened there was I now know, I I didn't know this, I went through most of my life just knowing that I did what I called leaving my body. Um, I disassociated. And in my mind, I was diving into the earth and swimming up into the nearest tree, whatever tree was nearest. And I would go up to the branch of a tree and then observe from there what was going on below. And I was in some way guided i often i think of the trees as my teachers because they would sort of direct me like you know don't move this you know just stay still move that you know it just i got instructions and i 
survived that situation, which happened, to my knowledge, at least a couple of times. I don't mm-hmm. know how many. Um, my sister, who was with me, um, did not do that, and she was um, severely mentally damaged, and um, do, she was diagnosed as a delusional paranoid schizophrenic um, by the time she graduated from high school. And I was just really messed up from it. But I think what that did, that experience of disassociating, allowed me to connect with a level of wisdom that wasn't my own, you know? Mm. And I think that was the beginning of what people would refer to as a kind of a, a sense of spirituality. I have a profound, profound respect for life itself, all life. I mean, I'm fanatical. You don't just go pick a flower. You, know? <laughs> just, you say thank you to the flower for being such a pretty thing. Can I take you home? I'm, I'm, I'm fanatical about that. Awesome. So that's where it started. So it started pretty young. Um, that was my, hmm, that was my, me, that was my base. But I was also, of course, I grew up, I was a teenager, I was exposed to all kinds of things um, that were not in any way the, um, that kind of dangerous. I, my, my, the psychological ramifications of being trafficked were exacerbated by incest at home. And all of that came together to create me as a hypersexual young person, teenager even, um, and I, it's a wonder I survived that at all because I got myself into situations that were downright dangerous. And I was, I was out of my mind in that respect, but I still had contact with, through dreams, I had contact with another level of reality somehow because of the because of the respecting life so much i think it's just like everything is alive everything is alive Mm -hmm. and i had that connection to nature that stayed and i think supported me through through some really really stupid and dangerous years (laughs) (laughs) and that unfortunately lasted uh, that behavior lasted through my mid-30s i was uh, dreadful and Meanwhile, I, let's see, I got double pneumonia when I was still in high school and had to be hospitalized because they thought I was going to die. Uh, in my early 40s, I got um, diffuse progressive systemic sclerosis, which is also known as scleroderma. And there is no cure for that. And I became a guinea pig then as I had when I was six months old. I was actually, I had tuberculosis in, in 1947 and there was no cure for it. So I was a guinea pig then, and then in my 40s, I got to be a guinea pig in an experiment that didn't work for anybody except me. Hmm. Wow. I, that's a lot so, to go through. Um, do, yeah. do, do you and think... This, oh, this, do you this think is a result of the, of the scleroderma. Wow. Do you think some of the physical traumas that you experienced were a result of what happened to you when you were young? What do you mean by physical traumas? The, 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 the diseases that you had. Yeah, I, I, I strongly suspect that they were, especially the scleroderma because, well, actually, it's interesting. All of them involved my lungs. 
every one of them involved my lungs. And the lung is the connection. In the, the Greeks used to call the lungs pneuma. So mm -hmm. pneumonia comes from that. And pneuma was because this is how they felt that in the breath you were taking spirit into your body. So all of my diseases were connected to that spirit that I feel so connected to. It's interesting. And I think that that fact that it was my lungs that were affected all those times, I can only at this point in time view them as learning experiences that I had to go through to get to be where I am and to get to ultimately receive the information that allowed me to write those books for people. Wow. Um, you know, uh, through all the people that I have interviewed, one of the common denominators or, or some of the things that I find common about a lot of the people, especially healers, it seems like a lot of healers have had traumatic childhoods, experienced sickness, and then experienced some type of um, unexplainable cures. It, it, it's like, you know, it, it's weird. It's, it's just a, like those three things are definitely very common among people who end up yeah. in the uh, the healing business. Yeah. Well, I think, as I said, I think they are learning experiences. Yeah. And some of us just, we just uh, go, we go to a different school. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think that's a lot of it. So how did you start, like, like once all this you know, happened, like how did you start getting into healing and, and some of the things that you do? That was actually because of scleroderma. Um, because, of course, it, when I had the TB, I was only six months old. When I had pneumonia, I was 21 or so. Um but by the time I had scleroderma, I was 42. I was already divorced one time and married to a second husband. I'm on my third, by the way. And I became ill with that. And one of my friends suggested that I go see this friend of hers who was a gestalt therapist first of all, and also a massage therapist certified in both modalities. And I walked into her office and sat down. And the first thing she, she said to me was she asked me about the pain, which was off the charts. And she taught me how to breathe. And she taught me how to belly breathe. Because she said, that's, she said, did you ever see a statue of the Buddha? And I was like, sure. And she said, would you ever see the big belly? And he's always smiling, right? And she said, that's belly breathing. She said, you breathe into your belly, you're going to get a belly. But she said, you'll be content. You'll be, this will help with your pain. You will reduce the pain. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so I was, at that point, I was very deformed. You, these, you saw my hands. Mm -hmm. My whole body was like this, my arms, my legs. I was just bent all over. And I felt like a tabletop. I, I felt like wood. It had taken me months and months to get the diagnosis. And when I first saw her, it was right after I got the diagnosis. So she worked with me. She was the first person. It was funny because at the time, I had repressed all my memories very neatly. And I think that's what caused the scleroderma. I was carrying around all this dreadful information inside me. And it wasn't allowed to come to consciousness because it was dangerous. And so 
I think that that when she started working on my body, she came across a couple of things. And at one point, there was a spot down on my lower back. And it felt under her hands as though it were kind of like an egg or something. It was, it, I mean, it had a very definite non-muscular quality to it. And she said, she asked me then about incest and had I experienced it. And I said, no, because I didn't remember at that time that I had. And, and she said, I only ever find this in people as a rule that have experienced incest. And I let that go. I blew it off. Mm-hmm. And we continued to work together and she helped me a lot. I'm actually that I had wonderful experience with the, the Lakota Sioux at that time. And they, the, the women of the Lakota Sioux tribe, were the first people <laughs> to say to me, they, t- they took me aside after one of the sessions, because we used to meet in a, I can't forget what you do, a kiva. And she, they took me aside and they invited me strongly to come back with them to their home and, so I could train as a medicine woman. And I was like, yeah, no, thanks. But I said, I'm, I'm just now starting to appreciate life. You know, this is, this is the first time in my life I've started to, to actually enjoy things. And I was, I was still pretty sick, but mm-hmm. I was learning so much. And I'm, I'm like a fiend for learning things. And um, I was having such a good time. I didn't want to all of a sudden get serious and go with the Lakota Sioux women, who were a very serious group of women and um and they worked with me and they took me on a on a journey they did my first journeying session to find my power animal and it the whole thing was just overwhelming and wonderful but that was the first time the subject was introduced then shortly after i got better from from the disease i figured i better go back into the workforce and look for a job even though my hands are a severe limitation with a lot of jobs but I got one and I, I, I rose rather quickly in the ranks I was a customer service job and um, I became the manager of the customer service department within a year and I think that's again that's that's kind of an outcrop mm-hmm. I was at my desk one day my laptop, I working on my desk with a computer, and one of my bosses came up behind me, one of the heads of the company. They had, I think there were about there were four or five people that ran this company, which was a medical equipment company. They they manufactured things like for people with broken legs to the heal their legs, they move the leg back and forth. I forget what it's what those things are called. But she came up behind me and she said, I have a headache. And I was like, I have some aspirin in my drawer. And she said, no, you can fix it. I'll be at your house at 5.30. And I was terrified because I didn't know what the heck she was talking about. And sure enough, 5.30 came along and she was knocking at my door. And she came in and I, and I just looked at her and I was like, I didn't even have any words. And she said, you'll know what to do. And she sat down on a chair and I thought, well, I'll put my hands on her head. <laughs> and so I put my hands on her head and darned if I didn't feel something. And I thought, wow, this is cool. 
And so I sort of started like, I don't know, manipulating it in a sense. It was as though mm-hmm. I could make it wave. And I, she left without a headache. And I left, I was just standing there kind of like, okay, what was that? What happened? And then I, th- and then what happened? Oh yeah. I was seeing a number of people because of my hands. And there was one woman that worked with light and she was doing light stuff on mm-hmm. my fingers. And same thing. She's like, you know, you're a healer. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just, I'm happy to be alive. I just want to have a good time. The, you know, it was, I forgot to mention this one perhaps crucial thing. On the last day of the experimental treatment, because they shut it down, because the treatment, it wasn't, wasn't curing anybody. I was the only person that it had healed. So they shut it down and they figured they were going to let me go and I, I would die. And um, I went home that day and one of my sisters was waiting at home for me because my daughter had called her and said, they're taking mom off the treatment. And everybody thought I was going to die, including my daughter. And my sister met me out there and I said something. I don't know how my grandparents came up, but they did. And she was much younger than I at the other end of the family. So she never experienced what I experienced and my sister. She, cause I have, we have, a, I'm from a huge family, 11 kids. And uh. she was one of the tail end. And my, my grandfather happily went into the hospital the very weekend that she was supposed to go visit him. Ha ha, visit. My, no, it was not a visit. She would be marketed, but she just missed that by the skin of her teeth. And so she's the one who came and I made some crack because she said something about her. She thought her son was the reincarnation of our grandfather. And I said that I sincerely hoped not. And she said, why? And I said, well, did I, and I started to tell her about what had happened with the, you know, the trafficking and the, and the, and the fact that he was, um, um, sexually inappropriate like mm-hmm. snapping my bra and things like that when I was older. And she said something about, well, what about our father? And I s- turned and I looked at her and I was like, what are you talking about? And she looked at me and she said, didn't he get you? And I will tell you, I do not know how I got from standing beside her car to my kitchen. But the next thing I remember after she said, didn't he get you? I was standing in my kitchen and I was leaning up against a countertop and literally like a film reel of all these things happening with my father. And, and then it even went into the stuff elaborating on this, what I had remembered about my grandfather getting into a lot of really dreadful like ritual sacrifice stuff and things and i was overwhelmed and first thing i did was call everybody in my family because i figured if she'd experienced something and i'd experienced something all the kids in between must have experienced something and sure enough they had and we ended up having a uh, we ended up having a group meeting with a psychologist um it was a weekend long event where we all processed all this stuff that had come up. It was 
it was a remarkable thing. Wow. And um, that, but that, that's kind of part of the beginning of how I got to be a healer. Just people recognizing me because there were there, were, there was another person even after the person at work that that said it was another healer, and she said you're a healer. I'm like, will you go away? <laughs> I'm not a healer, and so. <laughs> I have done, I started a yoga practice in 1983, and every morning I do yoga for 20 to 30 minutes. And when I was sick with scleroderma and couldn't move, I would just spend a few minutes doing it in my head because I didn't want to lose it. So one morning after all this tumult came up, I was in my bedroom doing my yoga, and I got up in that pose. I don't know the names of any of the poses anymore, but the one where you're, you're lying on the floor and you lift yourself up like this with your arms. And so you're up, sort of looking up and holding your, your horizontal body out, stretched. And the room filled up with incredibly brilliant light. I could not see anything, just light. And it said, now you have to go and do what you came here to do. I have goose pimples. <laughs> it's still kind of um, amazing what happened. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and, and overwhelmed at the same time. And, and I was trying to ignore it a little, but I mean, that's, you can't really ignore something like that. And I thought, well, I, I mean, I, 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 you know, maybe. And then about two weeks later, somebody, well, some other one of these people that came up, like you're, you're a healer, and she, had, I, I, she said she thought she was, she had a demon. She said inside her, she thought I could help get rid of the demon. Like I'm not advertising this. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. She's like, people are falling into my lap, and and she said you'll you'll know. I know you'll know what to do. Okay. And darned, that was another amazing experience. And it happened very close to the first one. And I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with this. I said, I said, let me walk with this. I'll get back to you. And about two days later, I guess, yeah, I was getting out of the shower. And I felt insanely dizzy. And I didn't think I'd be able to stand up. And so I sort of kind of stumbled, still soaking wet, into the bedroom. And I fell on the floor which was carpeted happily. And again, with the big light. But this time it was behind me. And this big light lit up the whole room, but I could sense the presence behind me. And then all of a sudden, all these slimy-looking black things seemed to be coming off me. And they slid across the floor and up and out the window. And I was just like, what's, what happened? What's going on? I was scared, but I was amazed. And then this voice said something, I can't remember the exact words, about St. Michael. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so after I recovered, I started looking up things about St. Michael, and it turns out he is associated, in fact, with exorcisms. Mm -hmm. And I, news to me. And so I thought, well, I guess, 
you know, I guess I I can't avoid this now. It's like one big light. Now there's another big light. I I I'm I'm. This is it. This is apparently what I have to do before they have to get even bigger lights in to convince me. And so I thought, well, then I've got to go get some kind of credentials because I can't just stand out there and go, yeah, I'm a healer. Come to my house. I got good energy. And so I got, I took Reiki certifications all the way up to Reiki Master. I took, um, I have a, an honorary Doctor of Divinity degree. I'm... <laughs> See, I really still didn't quite believe it. And I got also, um, I'm an ordained inner faith minister is what I refer to myself as. Mm -hmm. Not not inter, but inner. Okay. Okay. So I was imagining that that what I had experienced was in fact some sort of exorcism, that I had been carrying a lot of bad energies around with me. Presumably, that's true. Um, I had, when I was... Once in high school and once in college, I started having these horrifying dreams that were about some of the stuff that went on at these trafficking events that my grandfather held. My grandfather, by the way, was one of the 1% of his day. He was a, an exceedingly, had been an exceedingly wealthy man. Exceedingly. He had three houses, one in Beverly Hills, one in the Poconos, one on the Jersey Shore. He was used to the best of everything lost it all in the crash of 29. And from that time on, he was involved in schemes to get money. And my sister and I became part of his schemes with the trafficking. That's what that was. Terrible. Oh, unimaginable. And so I think that there's a lot of, a lot, I know there was a lot of negative energy around that. And I'm assuming that that exorcism that St. Michael performed because when i looked him up he's you know he was all about the exorcisms so i figured i guess i had one and this is funny and ironic stephen i don't read much uh, stephen king mm -hmm. but in some of his books in two of his books he talks about um these evil spirits leaving and people in an exorcism and they're like slimy black things that go along the floor and that is exactly what i saw <laughs> And so when I heard his books, which was much later on, I was like, oh, my heavens, that's the thing. But it was weird. Anyway, that'll convince you to do something. <laughs> and, and so I, 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 I helped that woman that had asked me for help. I then kind of put it out there that, that I could do this and that I needed a photograph of the person. And that's really basically all I needed. And I went, that is how I got my start. I got my start in healing with doing exorcisms. Um, you know, I did, I had done the headache stuff with my, my boss, but that was just, but, 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 and through doing that, I attracted the attention of other people and I got all those degrees and I, and I felt comfortable and I, I was doing, doing all this work. And it was just out of nowhere till the voice came in my dream. And told me that I had to teach people how to heal themselves so they didn't have to spend so much money on me and other healers. And I thought, well, this seems counterproductive. <laughs> <laughs> but by that point in my life, I trusted my body completely. Because she had saved me from so many things. I mean, just, just getting me out of my body when the, that abuse was happening was huge. It allowed me to maintain my mind 
whereas my sister lost hers. So I trusted that voice. And I, one by one, I sat my clients down when they would come to visit me and I taught them what I came to call sleep magic. Because what my body told me was that the body is a body and has a consciousness all its own. It has emotional cellular consciousness. And that everything that ever happens to a body, everything you see, everything you hear, everything you touch, everything, everything, the body remembers because it has to, because the body is an animal being. And animals, one goal is survival. And so especially when things are dangerous to your survival, the body will not forget. It simply will not. But it told me you can work with your body at a, at a level when you're asleep that will give your body permission to let go of the emotion around it. Not that you wanted to forget what happened, but that it's okay. It's like, like you would tell a little kid if something really bad happens to a little kid. It's okay now. It's okay. That's not going to happen again. And that is essentially what you can tell your body. You, you, so you have a, a little dialogue with your body before you go to sleep sometime. And your body will take care of it while you sleep. And I tried it for myself. And I sometimes had nightmares, but small price to pay. And one after another after another, much of this, much of it was released. I'm not going to say that that takes care of everything necessarily, but what it does do is it shifts your vibration to a point where you begin to attract the help you need from outside that is going to help you just get over the edge. Wow. It, it reminds me of something that has come up on a couple of my episodes <clears throat> that people have referred to as sleep, sleep, uh, dream incubation, where you basically tell yourself something before you go to sleep and you do it every night and it, it it goes into your subconscious and works itself out and you come up with an answer or solution. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it's, it's the same. We're working with the same dynamic. Wow. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, you know, at the same time though, you bring up a concept that I've never really thought of before as, I mean, I've always never considered myself, my body. But I've never necessarily thought of myself as my body as like a sort of a separate organism that's just about survival. That's interesting. Uh, yes, <laughs> it is. And it's um, my body clearly wants to survive. Because it's, it's, it's pushed past so many things. And what sleep magic helped me do was get to a place where I could function more clearly, I started attracting amazing opportunities to myself, some of which some people might not view as opportunities, um, because like the disease processes, they're not always pleasant, but they take you to the level that you need to go to when you, by getting through them. And so I ended up, um, I, I have written the books that I've written for, for Ozark Mountain, um, only in the last, within the last 10 years or 11 years. And that's because, because of sleep magic, I ended up leaving my second husband, who it turned out was pocketing all the money that I had been making from healing as a healer 
and, and using it to play the stock market. Um, I left him, and I, I, I got this urge to come to this place where I live now, which is a clothing optional resort. Um, it's a it's a clothing optional community next to a clothing optional resort, mm -hmm. and I got this. I wanted to. I just wanted to go dance. I was so glad to be free of this man who had. I'd been married the second time for twenty three years, and he, and I allowed him to overpower me in like every decision. He. I'm a, a painter. I'm an artist. You may have noticed the paintings on the wall I behind did. me. They're beautiful. Thank you. Um, he would not let me paint by myself. He had to have his hand on it. The one time I created a painting by myself, he just painted over it. He wanted to own me and he stole all my money and I, and I left him. And about a year later, I was like, I was living by myself. I was happy as could be. I was like, I, I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a free single woman. I am going to love this. And I got the urge to dance naked. Um, if you've never danced naked, it might not sound like an appealing thing. But if you <laughs> once you have, um, it's it's positively addictive, and it's so freeing. It, it, you just there's there's just freeing. That's the best word I can think of for it. And I thought, well, I'm going to book myself a weekend at one of these resorts because the resorts are very 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 safe places for women because they guard women carefully against any kind of Mm -hmm. um, unwanted attention because most women are too scared to go to these places by themselves. And I had been going with that second husband because he liked that lifestyle. I don't like the lifestyle, but I do like to dance naked, it turned out. And he wouldn't let me dance. <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to go to this place by myself and I'm going to dance. And I did. And this lovely man asked if he could dance with me, and I told him no. I came here to dance by myself. And he came back again, and I turned him down again. And he came a third time, and he said, I know you're not going to dance with me. <laughs> but if you'd like to have coffee in the morning, I live up the hill. And I said, okay, thanks, bye. And I got up the next morning, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go up the hill and have a cup of coffee. And we fell in love not long after. <laughs> he was great. the most he's the most gentle compassionate tender person that i have ever known in my life right now he's out doing something for somebody because that's what he does he's very community oriented he he built a, he's building a play set for the kids now uh -huh. um he, he just he's in my life i never expected to be able to be a person who could be with a person like that He's oh. just that good. That's fantastic. And he's given me the space to write these books and to paint. Mm -hmm. I, I, my, I've, I've, I've blossomed as an artist. I went to art college, by the way. So I, I actually was trained, because my mother insisted, to be an artist. And I never, I wanted to be a writer. So now I am both. And I've written these, the three sleep magic books, each of which takes it a step farther. The first one allows you to explore um, anything that might have your mother might have given to you while she was carrying you when she was pregnant, you know, uh -huh. and, and when you were an infant and just a baby. And the second one explores a later life when you're out and about and a kid and things happen. And then the third one is more in, into the adult 
uh, life and, and trying to, because you know who you are by then, sort of shifting, much like the dream incubation stuff. And then the, the fourth book was what, the fourth book is the tiniest one. It's very tiny. It's only 37 pages. And it's called Being in a Body. And it is what my body t- has taught me about being in a body. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that, that quality of, like, your spirit comes into the body. And I'm a firm believer in karma. I believe we do come back and back and back again. Um, I don't think I ever leave this planet, honestly. I think I'm just always here. <laughs> That's what it feels like. And um, I, that, that book talks about the fact that we are that spirit being and we inhabit a body and we need to respect the body's needs. So many people push their bodies beyond what they do under the guise of training or achieving this goal or that goal physically. You know, they want to they pump iron until their muscles get huge. But the, does the body want to do that? You know, so it's about working with the consciousness of your body to know what's good for you. A couple days ago, for instance, I was like, I, I don't I'm not a I'm not a drinker. Um, and uh, my husband always lets me smell his wine before dinner because that's all I like to do to smell it. <laughs> and he said, you want to taste it? And so I said, I'll taste a little bit. And I tasted, I thought, yeah, that's not bad. And I'd been reading good things about red wine. And so I took into my body and I, I said that night, I said, we had a little taste of it and we've heard a lot of good things about it, but I haven't been a drinker in my life because it hasn't felt good. So I'd like, I'd love it if you'd give me some feedback on if that seems like an appropriate thing to do, maybe just have a little third of a glass of wine with dinner. Mm-hmm. And I went to sleep and I had dreams that were not directly about that. They almost never are directly about the thing. What right. they do, the dreams bring up an emotion or a feeling. And mm-hmm. it was very funny because I woke up in the morning and it was like yeah, six of one, half dozen of the other, but I wouldn't bother. <laughs> 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 so no wine for me. But I, I rely, it's the dreams, the emotions of the, it's all about emotions because that's the way the body remembers. The body holds the emotions doesn't hold the intelligence of it. I mean, you know, the, the actual details of the mm-hmm. thing. It holds all the emotion of it. So my body was walking around for decades just holding on to fear and terror and shame and all kinds of things that I had to deal with. Because one thing will often, you know, you get, you're, you get layers. You peel off the layers and you get rid of this thing and you're like, oh, there's that. And you get rid of this thing and there's, oh, there's that. And for me, um, not to get, I don't want to be political, but the last president of the country was a person who was like my grandfather yeah. and, and, and his friends. And oh my heavens, I thought I was done healing. Oh, the body goes, sorry, no, this is overwhelming. <laughs> We're having a moment here. And it had a lot of moments. And so I was back in therapy again and using sleep magic on a regular basis. And, and it's been it's been a remarkable time for me. It's been, uh, as, as much as I was uncomfortable, I realized and was able to let go of things I didn't even realize I'd been holding on to. And that has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. L- letting go of all that stuff is, is good. You don't want to walk around with all that nasty crap. No, and some of it, it's interesting, the, the, very, the very last thing, which just happened a few weeks ago, 
was that I realized, because my father was incesting all of his children, but I, I believe, was the only one that had the kind of response he was looking for. Because, of course, I was being massively abused every once in a while on the weekends, and here was this person presenting me with this scenario of love via having sex with him. And I took it as love. And for decades, I carried that love around. And only this year did I realize, oh, my heavens, that was not love. He was grooming me. (laughs) And that took me down. I was like, oh, my God, my father didn't actually love me. Or maybe he did love me, but he did all those wrong things, which you don't do to somebody you love. And that... Like I say, that was a very recent realization, and I took that into sleep. And my body helped me through letting go of this um, imagined idea that my father had really loved me deeply. And it's like, okay, I can still stand up. I'm fine. Hmm. Wow. Um, How... I mean, do you think that this leaf magic works better than like traditional therapy? I think it's an, I think it's a necessary adjunct to traditional therapy because what the traditional therapy does, I believe, is to help dislodge some things. You might walk weeks with, you might go to a therapist, and you might it might be three weeks later, and you'll go, and something will click inside your body from what the therapist said. So I think it's it's valuable to have someone outside yourself to talk to. In my case, the person has actually been an acupuncturist that has helped me release all this stuff. I've heard that before. Oh, my heavens above. It, uh, the, first, the first visit I had with her, I came home that night, and I had the most, uh, in, um, how did I say powerful nightmare I think I've ever had and I was literally trying to run away in my I woke up to my husband trying holding me down and me thrashing and in my dream I was I had my sister by the hand and I we were running away in the woods we were just running to get away and and that whatever she had done whatever we had you know whatever she had triggered with those needles man it came up and out it was that was a remarkable night, and thank bless my husband. He was he, he was so good with me. He was just perfect. And wow. that's you know I got that because I was able to shed. I got that good husband because mm-hmm. I shed all the stuff that would have attracted the previous not so good husbands. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. I, uh, I mean it's. Just that the the connection of of treating the body to get rid of emotions, you know. I, I mean, a lot of times I've heard it presented sort of like the other way around, um, but it makes sense. I mean, all these things are definitely connected, and I I think maybe sometimes healers and um, just people will will focus on on one part of healing, but not the whole thing. It sounds like you mm. have approached it from definitely a multi-facet of, <laughs> of perspectives where you, you've, you've looked at it from all different angles. I, I've had to because it looks back. <laughs> hmm. 
Wow. Um, so how do you teach people? How, like, like, like well, rather I wrote do, the books. Right. So, and that's... Mm-hmm. But I do, I do, some people need, do need more help. They, it's, it's difficult for people to grasp sometime that we're dealing with emotions. I mean, that may sound funny, but they, they don't, they sort of, they're so intent on this actual situation. Like, you know, my father beat me, my father beat me. Well, how did, but, you know, your body felt this and your body felt that and your body felt fear and it, you know, there are all these things you have to address one by one by one by one. So when people don't get that, I I do work privately with some people. I, ca- I call it mentoring because I don't want to be the person who, you know, who heals them. I want people to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will mentor people, and I do. Um, not a lot because it's a lot. <laughs> but... Um, I, what I do then is I just, we have a discussion, you know, tell me a little bit about your life. Tell me about this time. And then I'll ask some questions and I, I ask them to create what I call their assignments. So, and I say, you send me what you're going to talk to, what you're going to say to your body. And I will look at it and proofread it and say, you know, and tell them why X works and why doesn't work. And you know, why these things are to help them improve their own skill. Because ideally, they don't depend on me. Ideally, they learn the technique themselves. That's my, my, my goal is to very literally empower people to take charge of as much healing of their own as they can. Yeah. And that makes sense because, I, mean, I, I mean, that's probably part of the reason of... Um, of being alive, I think. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, you've experienced, you know, a, a lot of trauma, but I, everybody experiences trauma in life. You know, suffering. It's kind of like like that Buddhist um, perspective, where you know, life is suffering, or yes. life has suffering, and, um, and and that's what we have to work with. Yes, it's um. Uh... I believe we are here to learn. I believe everything that happens is an opportunity to learn something. It may not be something you wanted to learn, but it's something you needed to learn, um, karma-wise, mm-hmm. that is. Um, and I, um, I was going to say, I have, I'm on both Twitter and Facebook, and I am open to people asking me questions if, they'll, if they're willing to ask them in public. So that we can share the growing and share the, you know, the knowledge. I won't, I'll take people who want to see me privately are going to have to pay me. But uh-huh. if people are willing to share their pain so that other people can see how to move through it as I help them, I am wide open to that. Do people like doing that? Not so far. <laughs> <laughs> why i make the offer so freely um, i get i mean i'm out there i write on, i write on medium.com and i my i believe my siblings num- many of them are about ready to do away with me i write about everything that's happened to me i am wide open about it because if we don't talk about this stuff openly it will just go on and on and on and on we have to talk about it we have to be people have invented shame 
to shut people up so that they can get away with literally murder sometimes. Wow. wow. I'm a little passionate. <laughs> <laughs> I just never thought of it that way. I mean, I know that shame sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does, but it's got a purpose. That's the, that's the evil part of it. Mm, interesting. I mean, um, if you do something and you're ashamed of it and you, you know, you did a wrong thing and you're ashamed, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Anybody shaming you? Mm -mm, they're after something. Well, a lot of people do do that, though. Mm -hmm, they do. But um, I'm also, I mean, myself, I mean, I've certainly done more than my share of things in life that I'm ashamed of doing. <laughs> There's no shortage of that either. <laughs> well, again, it's how we learn. Yeah. I, I consider myself a slow learner. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure my first my first husband would vouch for that. God bless him. He's still alive. Second one's dead. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know if I learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, here you are doing this. So you've obviously learned something. Maybe. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm a pretty good judge of energy and I can, while I am not physically in touch with you, I hear your voice, mm -hmm. voices and people's voices and their eyes carry a tremendous amount of information about the person. You just have to be sensitized to it. Yeah. And I got to learn that when I was a kid being assaulted by people and, and, the, and the trees were telling me you know look this is how, respond to that this is how you respond to that this is, so i learned how to gauge people's energy i'm good at it you're good <laughs> so so what do you think about plant consciousness and people interacting with plants through telepathic means oh um I, I, it exists. I, I don't even know it. it absolutely. Hmm. It, it, every every living thing has a consciousness. Mm -hmm. Every living thing has a my oh my today. This is so cool. My husband walks in the house from the outside. He said, I present for you. And I come down, and here he had a cicada sitting on the back of his hand. <laughs> He knew that I had wanted to see them. They only come every ever how many years? I don't know. It's quite a long time. Like and the seventeen and, year cicada. Is that it? Yeah. I know. I know. Like the uh, you're in what West Virginia? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had them. Like I know we had them in New Jersey. I used to live there. Yeah, I did too. Mm -hmm. But this this is being. I'm I'm now. This is so nice. I'm in the woods, so I'm with all my friend, my tree friends, and. He comes in with this cicada, and he's a cicada just sitting on his arm, walking up his hand. He puts his hand out. Cicada walks on the other hand. Um, energy. He's respected the life of this creature. This, the creature knows that he respect is respected, and that's why he could just happily walk up his arm. Yeah. Energy. It's all energy. Everything is energy. It is everything. Um. When you do. So, so when you think look at everything as energy and and everything's alive and it's communicating, when you had those white light experiences, do you think that was God? I 
do not, I would never try and limit in a vocabulary way whatever immense energy it is out there that has generated life. Is that an okay answer? <laughs> That's a beautiful answer. <laughs> I, I am totally 100% with you. I, I think using a word to describe something that's completely undescribable, it, it doesn't do it justice. It, it can't be described. It can't be understood. And, um, and, and when humans make claim to it, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's not dangerous. <laughs> Very dangerous, actually. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it it is. I I I'm afraid that the past 4 years plus have really amplified my sadness about the state of humanity. Because I I mean, I I should know I was a victim of it, but that it's that, that this kind of disregard for human life and feelings is so widespread as to make people thrash out against each other for, for no reasons because yeah. my skin is a different color from your skin or my religion is a different color than your religion I, why why none of that is necessary I think I keep thinking we might be a flawed species hmm. self-destructive species I mean we're killing the earth yeah yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if that's it, or if it's a really, really tough learning curve right now. <laughs> you well, know? it's certainly that. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it could be one or the other. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's just a tough learning curve that we can get through and come out the other side. Yeah. And experience some of what you experience with just the feeling of being free, being comfortable with yourself, wanting to enjoy life healing people and just you know encouraging people um to be open i i i my heart is right there with yours i hope so too i hope so too because i'll tell you what nothing is more beautiful than life at its best nothing yeah I, i'm tearing up my, when i was a child my mother, I, I, I tear up. I tear up at the drop of a hat. <laughs> and uh, and when I was a child, I was forbidden by my mother to to tear up. She called it labile. She said I was labile. Don't be so labile. And it's because I had a lot to cry about, but I wasn't allowed to cry like yeah. for anything ever. And so now I'm making up for it. I'm just crying for babies and crying for kittens and crying for you name it. I'm crying. <laughs> I'm labile. <laughs> I never heard that term. Apparently it just means unstable. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, you know, I have, I have people accuse me of that as well. But uh, I, I just experience life in somewhat more dimensions than most people do i have a i have a youtube channel uh, called my alternate reality mm -hmm. and it's about i don't know how many i recorded i recorded as many as i i could think of to record and they're all about 
like visions that I've had and powerful dreams that I've had and experiences that just couldn't be explained that I've had. And I guess most people don't have those things. I don't know. Now, I understand that there's a part of my brain. What's it called? Gloss. Oh, I can't think of it. But there's a part of the brain that actually generates imagery on its own. Mm -hmm. So when people have visions, it's that at work. And I have a very vigorous one of those mm. and have had. And, and But the visions have have been amazing. I, I, I One time I was working on a guy, had him on my table, and I was lying there, and I'm working on it, I had hands up on his shoulders. And I asked him to please take his hand off his chest. And he said, my hand's not on my chest. And I looked up, and I saw Jesus. And I'm like, oh, Briefly terrified. I have goose pimples again, all over. Um, but uh, there was Jesus. I don't know what. Okay, that's my brain making an image. I know that physical Jesus was not physically standing by my table. I saw it there mm -hmm. as though he were real. As though he was, because his hand was laying, I thought it was the guy's hand. It was absolutely vivid. And I have had experiences like that. And again, I think my brain was... Mm, maybe set free, I don't know, by leaving my body when I was a child. I just am more comfortable with odd things. I love how you use the word odd. Do you think that some of the phenomena, beings, and visions that you experience are the result of a multidimensional consciousness? I never gave that a thought. That's very interesting. That's fascinating. Can you say a little more about that? Um, a lot of the interviews that I've done, um, people tend to or, or, or experience reality as not just a physical reality, but on a multidimensional level, which means that um, we can exist in more than one place at one time. We can exist in a physical plane, an astral plane, and, and who knows how many. I mean, that nobody really knows. Yeah. Um, but on these different planes that we're able to exist on, <clears throat> if we open ourselves up, we can encounter other forms of consciousness that are at home on those other planes. And, I like that. And they can, if we if we develop relationships with them or open to them, uh, they they can help us as well. Like in, in that healing with Jesus, maybe you opened up to. A, a plane where there was some type of Christ consciousness, and and it assisted yeah. you. Well, yeah, that that I that makes perfect sense to me. And I I like, and also I'm thinking about the when the black slimy things went off my body and up and out the window with Saint Michael. That could be a, a similar um, kind of experience. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, I I think that's what it is. It, it's what it sounds like to me. Um, it's definitely. It's not as uncommon, I think, as a lot of people think. I mean, at least, at least not on my podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and not in my life. Yeah, but um, you know, it, it does seem to me like, like, like one of the things too you mentioned about the world and being the way it is. I, I would say on the plus side, there's a lot of other people experiencing things that you're experiencing and, and, and becoming healers like you are. 
and sharing mm-hmm. that knowledge in books and not just charging people for money, but trying to tell, teach people how to do it themselves to keep it going. Yeah, that, that's my that's my goal is to I, I I'm a, a huge sharer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I encourage people to just speak up it, it, again. If we don't speak up, things continue. Yeah. Unabated, and I, I don't care a punishment, but they, these things should not go on. They simply should not go on. They're not conducive to life. No, no. No, people shouldn't be exploited. It's no. terrible. And, and, and dominated, too. That stuff about, like, like your, uh, was it your second husband, you know? Oh, it's, yeah. It's just, it's just, um, and when I hear about like like that kind of behavior, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, man, this guy's just insecure. Probably. You know. Probably. And, and the only way he can feel secure is by forcing his will on other people. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just. But that, at the end, that's what that was the lesson I needed to learn was to live mm-hmm. with that, experience that, and. It, and it's interesting. I told you about the, his painting over my paintings. Yeah. One time, at one point in our marriage, my one of my kids had come to visit. I had lost custody of my children when I left my first husband. And for reasons of bad behavior on my part. And my daughter was visiting, and she had brought her boyfriend with her. And she did a little painting on the table cause I, in, in the studio. And he went and he painted something on top of it. I was ready to take his arm off and she was heartbroken so i had actually seen that happen to her and then here the same the guy i was married to at the time ended up doing it to me towards the end of our marriage when he felt i think he was feeling i think he must have felt me pulling away and so he was attempting to assert domination at that point Hmm. And it didn't. It did. It had the opposite effect. And he's the one that died, right? Yes, he did. And, and you know what? He after I divorced him, and I divorced him. I went. I got the papers. I filled out the papers. Didn't need a lawyer. I took care of everything. I was so proud of myself. So empowered. And he went out to the Midwest somewhere, and he actually ended up working with um, a Native American community. And um, and and becoming a helping person, he changed. Wow. He changed. Yep. So it was in there, but again, he—I guess—I was the lesson he needed. <laughs> yeah, oh. he became a totally different person. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So it has a happy ending. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he ended up having a stroke and 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 uh, and dying. And I think, but I think I'm imagining that he had to feel a lot better about himself at the end. Yeah. That's good. He didn't have to die with all that heaviness. Right. Yeah, I think he was able to turn himself around. Hmm. And I know that he had been abused as a kid, too. I know he'd been badly, badly beaten. Yeah. By his, by his father. So I know when we got together, we were two people who had been very wounded. Mm-hmm. And my wounding didn't even come up and out until after I married him. 
I hadn't even with my first marriage, I was unaware that I was, I, I knew I was out of control, <laughs> but I didn't know there was a reason for my bad behavior. <laughs> wow. So, no, we all meet and do what we are supposed to do for a reason. Yeah. I, I think your story makes that pretty obvious. <laughs> well, it's obvious to me anyway. <laughs> and I and I and I do share hoping that it that it will help other people open up to and, and admit their mistakes and you know, this is what I did. I you know, I'm sorry I screwed up. Yeah. I mean I I'm heartbroken that I lost my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still in contact with my daughter, but my son, for reasons unknown to me, will not speak to me. He spoke to me up until about, I don't know, five years ago, and then all of a sudden he just was like out. But since I know that things happen, I'm not angry with him at all. I'm no. sad that I must have at some level disturbed him to some degree. I don't know how. Because <laughs> he won't talk to me, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's very, it's very sad, and but it's whatever has to happen for yeah. both of us. It's all meant to happen a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we learn what we learn. Different schools for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you? They can find me on Twitter. They can find me on Facebook. They can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I have, my art has a couple of websites. I have one that is um, www.victoriapendragonpaints.com. And then I have another one that is yourchartasart.com, which is where I take people's um, uh, horoscope, their astrology chart. I got into astrology when I was in art school, and now I've put the two together. Mm-hmm. I take people's, I take people's astrological chart, and I turn it into. Well, actually, you can, you could have a while ago seen one of the paintings. <laughs> 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 now we don't have a picture, but your chart as art. There's a picture there, and um, so that I can, I can be reached through any of those places. There, you could. There's a contact both on the. VictoriaPendragonPaints.com. There's a way to contact me through there, and there's a way to contact me through the YourChartIsArt.com too. Awesome. Well, we'll post links to to the site in the uh, notes to this episode, and Thank I'll you. also post a link to your books on Amazon as well. Okay, that would be great. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. I loved it. I hope I have the chance to do it again sometime. Hey, welcome back. Anytime. Just like on a, on a more whatever level. <laughs> Doesn't even have to be going on air. <laughs> okay, take care. You too. Hang on one second. I just have to play the outro. Okay. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. 
you can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.